Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Talking Your Way to Change, and this is Dr. Banker. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, and I apologize if you've been looking for more episodes. I have not been able to sustain writing and producing more content. As a side hustle that I have kept as a non-revenue source, it is often not prioritized over my clinical work or family obligations. Nonetheless, I am still always thinking about new topics related to mental health and psychology that the public might benefit from. Today's topic is about how psychology can aid in our understanding of vaccine-hostile people and why it is dangerous to not be psychologically minded during a pandemic. This is not a thorough analysis of all the issues or reasons, but my purpose is to broaden our understanding of extreme thinking that has led to deadly outcomes for some. Personally, I tend to agree with the thought that we need to educate and convince the vaccine-hesitant people who are eligible to receive a vaccine that all the harms they believe a vaccine might have can never compare with the damage that could come from a COVID-19 infection. Whether or not this will end the pandemic, I have no opinion. First, I will lay the foundation for what I mean psychologically minded. Then I will apply psychological concepts stemming from a type of psychotherapy not widely practiced in this era of CBT and positive psychology called Jungian therapy. Jungian therapy, which was developed by Carl Jung. Carl Jung was a Swiss psychiatrist that studied with Freud and in 1913 broke away in order to understand and develop his own theory about the unconscious and its influence on our everyday lives. Most of us are aware of Carl Jung's historic work in assessing and explaining personality using the Myers-Briggs type indicator in which we determine if we are more extroverted or introverted, sensing or intuitive, thinking or feeling, or the last category, if we're more judging or perceiving. But before I go further into Jungian therapy, Let me talk a bit first about what it means to be psychologically minded. A good observer of the human condition notices that there are certain topics or ideologies that are so divisive that it takes hold of us. If we are on opposite sides, we look at each other and think, "Uh, you don't get it. You are being willfully naive, illogical, unworldly, controlling exploitive. So what does it mean to be psychologically minded? It generally refers to a person's capacity for self-examination, self-reflection, and personal insight. The capacity to give a psychological history without needing too much prompting, and a history which gives the listener an increasing awareness that the person, the patient, the client feels currently related to his own story. It's the capacity to bring up memories with appropriate affect. It's the ability to have some awareness that you have an unconscious mental life, that you have some capacity to step back from your self-experience, observe it reflectively, and admit psychological or interpersonal problems. It's a capacity or more strongly a wish to accept 
and handle increased responsibility for the self. It's the ability to have an imagination. It's the ability to have some capacity for achievement and some realistic self-esteem. I like the term psychically minded. Others do not. There really hasn't been a consistent definition, but what I will point out is what I like about this concept is that it isn't saying that I understand myself completely and I am completely conscious of all my actions, thoughts, and feelings. It is about acknowledging that in my mind, there are things that are outside of my awareness that are exerting influence on my behaviors and my personality. And I have some curiosity about them and humility. Thus, it's important to at least consider and think through what I do and don't do and why. To be psychologically minded means to understand that your decisions can be a mystery even to you. Reverent certainty often betrays awareness of nothing and can be quite dangerous. If I have absolute certainty about whether I should or shouldn't get the vaccine, this attitude or stance could be quite dangerous. So taking this position to be psychologically minded, even for just this episode, now let's turn to Jungian therapy. Jungian therapy, sometimes known as Jungian analysis, is an in-depth analytic form of talk therapy designed to bring together the conscious and the unconscious parts of the mind to help a person feel more balanced and whole. Jungian therapy calls for the clients to delve into deeper and deeper and sometimes often darker elements of the mind and look at the real self rather than the self that they present to the outside world. Jungian therapy emphasizes the idea that there are many parts of the psyche which we are unaware. The ego is considered the conscious part of the personality and is comprised of our thoughts, memories, and emotions that the person is aware of. The other two aspects of the personality are the unconscious, called the personal unconscious, and the collective unconscious. Jung believed that these unconscious aspects of our personalities exert a significant influence on our feelings and behavior. Awareness of these other parts and living in harmony with them constitute, constitutes a large part of the therapeutic goals in Jungian therapy. So Jungian therapy believes that we have an ego, a personal unconscious, and a collective unconscious. Okay. So what's the personal unconscious? The American Psychological Association defines Young's personal unconscious as the portion of each individual's unconscious that contains elements of his or her own experience. The personal unconscious consists of everything subliminal, forgotten, repressed in the individual's life. So this would be the area of forgotten childhood memories or traumatic memories. The collective unconscious is the unconscious part of us that is common to all humankind and contains the inherited accumulation of primitive human experiences in the form of ideas, images called archetypes, 
and is manifested in myths as well as other cultural phenomena, example religion, and in dreams. It is the deepest and least accessible part of the unconscious mind. These archetypes live in our unconscious minds. Jung developed a series of archetypes, which he conceptualized as models of people, behaviors, and personalities. Jung believed that archetypes represent universal patterns that were part of the collective unconscious, common to all people. He defined 12 primary types that represent the range of basic human motivation. These archetypes are the innocent, the everyman, the hero, the rebel, the explorer, the creator, the ruler, the magician, the lover, the caregiver, the jester, the sage. While all the archetypes are believed to be innate within people, Jung believed that one or maybe two primary archetypes characterized a person's personality and that one would probably surface or dominate at a time. Jung organized these archetypes into four categories, which he called the cardinal orientations. Each orientation defined the primary underlying motivation and goal of each archetype. The underlying motivations are ego, order, social, and freedom. Archetypes. These are ancient and universal patterns of experience and behavior that are often represented in myths and symbols. Ancient and universal patterns of experience and behavior that are often represented in mythology and symbols are seen as archetypes. If we just for a moment give credence to this concept of the collective unconscious, that we believe that human beings are connected to each other and their ancestors through shared sets of experiences, that we all have a collective unconscious, then it stands to reason that we are able to communicate with one another and influence one another using this field with or without our consciousness. And this is why we are so vulnerable to influence. Marketing, films, movies, myths, stories, fairy tales, and even the Bible as a piece of literature contains many archetypes. As much as we want to believe that we are free thinkers and not easily manipulated by outside influences, we have lots of evidence to the contrary. Families and culture also influence us, and perhaps because they fit with our underlying archetypal needs. Cultural influences us in terms of the clothes we wear, the music we listen to, and this changes over time. What came to mind for me as an example of this for this talk was photography. Photography now has popularized taking photographs outside in candid positions, one just needs to look at social media to find family photographs. They have moved from the JCPenney studio to the outside natural world studio, frequently in fields of grass and natural sunlight. Oftentimes, all family members are not looking at the camera, but longingly at one another. 
I wonder sometimes what people will think 80 years from now looking at those images. I know that 80 years ago, people did not have the luxury to avoid looking at the camera as it was very most likely the only image that recorded for some time and it would seem foolish or wasteful to lose such an opportunity. So what are these family photos capturing? Perhaps these images are capturing and symbolizing the archetype of belonging, belonging to a family. Family, by the way, would fall under the archetype of the category of lover in Young's 12 archetypes. Families are frolicking through fields, might also depict that we have our lives together. We have it all. We belong. We love each other. We can match our outfits. We're cool. None or all, which might be true. My point is, we are all influenced by societal fads and trends because they depict a particular archetype we long for and long to possess, which is how advertising works as well. Here are some examples of brands and the archetype they embody. The everyman archetype seeks connection and belonging and is recognized as supportive, faithful, and down to earth. The example brands of this include Ikea, Home Depot, and eBay. The hero is on a mission to make the world a better place. The hero is courageous, bold, inspirational. Example brands include Nike, BMW, and Duracell. The rebel, the rebel archetype, questions authority and breaks the rules. The rebel craves rebellion and revolution. Example brands include Harley Davidson, Diesel Jeans. The archetype, the caregiver. The caregiver protects and cares for others, is compassionate and nurturing and generous. Example brands include Johnson & Johnson, Campbell's Soup, UNICEF. When we can observe concrete manifestations of the collective unconscious material in our own lives, it can bring about motivation, wisdom, and potential to heal and seek that wholeness that we all long for and desire. Might my stance in the pandemic be driven by an archetype? Perhaps I am on the other end of an archetype that was my original personality before the pandemic. For example, perhaps my natural inclination is to be an explorer and take risks. But now as a mother with children to protect, I seek more control and less chaos. I choose to mask and isolate and vaccinate and thus feel very, very isolated, alone, depressed. We are all influenced, perhaps to some, not wearing a mask or being not vaccinated means that I am driven by my need for freedom. And this freedom is represented by these symbols, the mask, the vaccine. And they have become a symbolic representation of my unconscious needs to embody this archetype. If I need to be the hero in my own story, when do I need to step down from this role and choose another expression of what it means to be a hero or to have freedom or to be a ruler? 
Might my stance in the pandemic be an emulation of a long lost archetype given up somewhere along my life's path? What if in this modern time, I feel completely annihilated as a male, a man, stripped of my ability to provide for my family, protect my family, teach and or mentor my children. Maybe I am an American male who came back from a war now with very few options or never have had a chance to experience my glory days that I was promised as part of the American dream, like Bruce Springsteen sang about throughout his career born in the USA. And along comes a cause that ignites my sense of strength, courage. It ignites the opportunity to make a choice and the willingness to confront agony, pain, danger, and uncertainty. People are calling it freedom. And yes, freedom is a part of it. But also I believe these times have unlocked a longing in some that has stirred up feelings of having lived a life of feeling imprisoned imprisoned by families that demanded much more than they gave comfort in return, employers who demanded loyalty and then betrayed them by closing down or terminating them because of their age, by governments who sent them to war and then took their taxes, by neighbors, and now being told that others have not had enough freedom. It's possible that for some, The question to vaccinate or to wear a mask has become a symbol of a much greater fight, one that is being played out on the public stage, but perhaps has its origins deeply in the unconscious of those individuals. Perhaps a fear of inner emptiness, unrelenting conformity. Perhaps people have felt trapped, misled, bored, humiliated. Perhaps I might just decide to take some freedom for myself to take a stance about a cause that allows me to feel like a hero, a rebel, a warrior, and that these decisions as such will compensate for all the ways in which I have been made to feel inferior in my life. My hope would be that people could identify such longings if they exist and grieve such losses so that one might not be seduced by false acts of courage and march themselves and us all to peril. The takeaway today is be aware of what you might be influenced at at a collective unconscious level. It can be extremely powerful. If one is blind to these dynamics, one might march their way to their own peril, thinking and believing that they're a hero, a freedom fighter. This is why I have empathy for all of us. At the same time, I'm not Snow White. I don't open my door to welcome the disguised visitor. I utilize telehealth. I protect myself. Thanks for joining us this week on Talking Your Way to Change. You can also visit our Facebook page. You can subscribe to the show on Anchor or iTunes so that you never miss an episode. If you found value in this show, we would appreciate a ratings on iTunes or you could just simply tell a friend. I need to alert everyone that this podcast is not meant as a substitution for mental health treatment. So although the podcast deals with psychotherapy, this is not your psychotherapy. Okay, thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Dr. Banker.